got your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 6 and Mark chapter 16. Uh, we're going to finish up this series called What Jesus Said. What Jesus Said is simply about the words of Jesus. Um, it is very important that we understand how powerful, profound, impactful, and life-changing the words of Jesus are. Jesus said in John 6, 63, he said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. They are more than words on a page. They are spirit. They will come into your situation and move things on heaven's behalf. Jesus' words are powerful. And if you've got death in some area of your life, if you've got something that's dying, something that's falling apart, there's one thing that will bring life, and that is the Word of God that comes from the lips of Jesus. I want to tell you right now that what America needs is the Word of God. We need the words of Jesus to come once again and to move in our nation to release the Spirit and the life of God again. I do have to tell you that last night, really early this morning, I had three profound encounters with the Lord. Three times, once at two, one at four, and one at five something in the morning. And I got to tell you, when I go to sleep, I go to sleep. So when I wake up, I know it's God or my wife (laughs) or sometimes the dog. And uh, 2 a.m., I'm wide awake. I feel as if I have slept all night. And I was profoundly aware of the presence of God resting on me. And so normally when God shows up like that, he's, he's, he's going to speak to me something, someone to pray for. Maybe I see you. Maybe I see uh, someone in the community. Somebody, the Lord just speaks to me. I want you to pray for them. Great. So I expected that this would be like that. It wasn't. I said, Lord, what would you have me to do? There was no answer. And I just sat there in the presence of God and went back to sleep. At 4 a.m., same thing. Presence of God fell on me so hard I woke up. And I'm like, okay, God, am I? Uh, all right, all right, you're here again. Uh, what, what's going on? I felt as if in those two hours I had slept an entire night again. I felt super rested. 4 a.m., wide awake. And I said, Lord, what would you have me to do? Nothing, no answer, just the presence of God, the tangible presence of God. Then before my alarm is going to go off really early in the morning on Sunday, before the alarm sounds, the presence of God comes again, and he wakes me up again. So sorry, I'm not hearing a thing. I'm not hearing a thing. He said, he goes, I am not speaking to you by my voice. I am speaking to you by manifestation because I'm telling you what I'm going to do. This is what the Lord said to me. He said, I am going to visit America three times and awaken her in the coming days. I am coming with three waves of presence and power to America in this hour, in the midst of turmoil and strife, and the church will know my power and will know my presence, and she will be fully awakened and alive to who I am before the alarm sounds. 
I promise you, God is going to move in this nation. And this message today, while simple, is profound. God is moving us from being an observational church to an influential kingdom. There is no more just simply watching on the sidelines and filling notebooks full of notes. There is no more of that. This is the hour where you have been, you have been crafted for, you have been filled for, you have been educated for, you have been made for this moment and God's presence is awakening you to his desire and he's about to use you in power and it's connected to what Jesus said. Don't sleep in an hour where God is moving. He's near and he's going to do something profound in our nation. Today I want to share with you a very simple message called what Jesus said about preaching the gospel. What Jesus said about preaching the gospel. And I know that when we, when we even put these words on the, on the, uh, on the screen, you're kind of like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, I've heard this one before. Maybe, maybe not. The, the real question is, is that, you know, do you see these words and you think, you know, this is, this is for the professional pastor. This is for the ones who, uh, who, have been, who have been educated, called, and anointed, and they are in vocational ministry. They are the ones to be given to preaching. And I think what we're going to see here today is that God wants to release a sound from the body of Christ, and it has no, no correlation to your assignment of how you are to equip one another, but actually are are you connected to Christ? If you are connected to Christ, you are called to release a sound through preaching the gospel. Now, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 16, and we're going to look at this together. This is so good. I love this passage. Um, it really helps me in a lot of ways. We're going to begin in verse 14. This is after the resurrection. This is after Jesus has uh, appeared uh, to the women in the garden, appears to Mary. She goes back and tells them, and they don't believe. This is what Jesus says. This is the account. Beginning in verse 14, it says, Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Now, I just want to pause there for a moment. The scene is this. They're terrified. They have simply crucified Jesus. Now his disciples are terrified behind a locked door. And in order for Jesus to reach them, he has to walk through a wall. Literally, he walks into a room with a locked door. Read the Bible. It's amazing. And he comes in. And, and now we're, we're getting a full understanding of what Jesus does when the church is afraid. He overcomes our obstacles and the things, you know. Here the church is living in a bunker. And Jesus comes into the bunker. And are you ready for the words of Jesus? I, 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 let, me, let me back up before I, before I get to the words of Jesus. Uh, whatever you do, don't wait on everything to become perfect in your life to step into your assignment. Because here we see Jesus in one second is rebuking them for their hardness of heart. 
He is saying, listen, your heart is hard. Why didn't you believe the ones I sent to you to tell of my resurrection? And the next breath is this. And he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. And he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Don't you love this? Man, this makes me feel good. This says... You know what? I don't have to get everything perfect in my life to be used by God. Here they are. They're terrified. They're behind locked doors. They're not believing the the words of those who are testifying of the resurrection. And Jesus has to walk through a wall and rebuke their hardness of heart. But as soon as he does that, he gives them an assignment. So all of you who have just been sitting with your arms crossed saying, yeah, I'm just a little too messed up for Jesus to use. No. No, you're not. No, you're not. If you've been forgiven, if you are a real disciple, if you're truly born again, you're ready. Can I just give you another word? This is free. This isn't even in the sermon today. For those of you who are thinking, oh, one day, one day I'll live for God. One day in the future. All right, let me give you this uh, insight. You do not possess any days in the future. Why? Because you're not promised tomorrow. And for those of you who moved to Citrus Hills to retire, and you left your job and you thought, well, I I guess I'm going to leave serving and I'm going to leave all these other things behind as well. I'm going to get, and you're going to, you say to yourself, well, my day is past. No, it's not. How do I know? Because you're here. You have something to steward. It's this day. It's this moment. It's this breath. It's this year. It's this month. It's this time. Your moment is now. Your place that you've been called to is here. Stop trying to escape Citrus County. Stop it. Stop it. Some of you are like, why am I here? Not just existing. No, specifically here. It's because you have an assignment to be a part of a great awakening in a region that God wants to do something profound. He wants to do something profound, but it will be because of people realize I am put here by God and this is my time and this is my hour. This is my moment. Don't think to yourself, my day is coming. It's not. You're not promised that day. You've been given this one. Steward this one. Don't think to yourself, my day has passed. It has not passed. God's mercy is new every morning. And he's got something to give you today and a way to use you in power. This is what God says about preaching the gospel. Go. Go. That isn't. Somewhere in the future, it's certainly not in the past. It's right now. But I want to give you uh, just, a, just some cu- a couple of things from this passage. It's very simple, but I believe it will help you. I believe it will serve to inspire you to begin to look 
for God's spirit to move in all kinds of places. First, when you're preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, you need to know what it is. If you're looking for a reference, go to first, just write it down, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Just read the first couple of verses there, and you'll understand the gospel in its simplicity, and it is this, that all man has sinned, and that Jesus came to die on the cross to pay the payment for that sin, and that he was buried. Don't leave that out. It's important that you know that he was buried and in the tomb for three days. Why is that important? Because everybody needs to know where Jesus took the sins, past, present, and future, and left them. Do you know where he left them? He left them in hell. He took those things that, that, that Satan has tried to beat you with and, and keep you pressed down. All of that sin, all of that failure, Jesus took it from the earth and left it in hell. And three days later, he came back up, raised from the dead in righteousness. And all who place faith in him are given a righteousness, not of their own, but one that belongs to him, a right standing with God. That's the gospel. So what are we to do? We are to preach the gospel first everywhere. Preach the gospel everywhere. It says, go into all the world. Please listen to me carefully. We have been limiting God in his reach with our own negotiation. Meaning if I carry the gospel to to work, I'll be fired. Anybody ever hear that thought? Well, not me, but you know. (laughs) If I don't carry the gospel to work, I'll be fired. (laughs) No, you've heard that voice. But yet we have the words of Jesus saying, go into all the world. His words say there are no limits. He says, preach the gospel everywhere. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And what you need to understand is after the resurrection, he comes right before the ascension in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And he says these words, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. By the way, if you really want to be a good witness, you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you you and you shall be witnesses to me where Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, those 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 cities may not mean much to you, but it was describing from Jesus an ever expanding influence of the gospel. Jerusalem being the the place where everyone was gathered. This is where everything is centered around Jerusalem. Then it expands further, Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the world. Now, today I I, kind of want to give you your own list. I want to give you your own list about preaching the gospel everywhere. And if I were to translate this into something that would be very meaningful to you, it would be this. It says, and you will be witnesses where? First... First location you need to be a witness is you. First place the gospel needs to have the most influence is you. And I want to ask you, have you opened your heart 
to the power of the good news of Jesus Christ? Have you given him full access? Have you opened your heart and said, Jesus, nothing is off limits here? Many times we're thinking about just, man, I need to go and I need to do. No, honestly, you first need to be and then do. He says, you will be my witnesses. That word witnesses in in the Greek, the closest word in English is actually martyr. No one dies for a message they don't genuinely believe in. And I believe that we have misinterpreted this, ver- vor- uh, this, this verse in our head that we have said, we will receive the Holy Spirit and go witnessing. No, no, no. It says we will be a witness that we will allow God such access that we carry this message even to the place of death if necessary. Have we allowed the gospel to fill you, Jerusalem. And then it, it goes on further. I would say, say it this way. The gospel fills you. And then how about the next area? Family. Is there something of the gospel in your life that actually flows from brother to sister or sister to brother? Listen, I understand sibling rivalry. But when you are born again, believe me, I have five kids. I know what it's all about. But young person, if you're born again, the gospel should be influencing your family. It has an ever-expanding influence. It starts in you. But then there ought to be an influence of the gospel in your family. Moms, dads, everyone. We should not be looking just outside to have some ministry, uh, you know, worldwide ministry while our families are falling apart. This is insanity. We need a gospel that works in us and works in the people right around us. And this ever-expanding influence of preaching the gospel everywhere starts in us, and then it expands to our family, and then community. Do you care about this place? Do you care about this community? Do you preach the gospel in the community? This is one of my favorite things to do. I love it when people are cussing when they're talking to me. It's amazing. And then they say, oh, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. I'm so sorry. Why? Why? Don't be sorry to me. These aren't virgin ears. (laughs) I love it. I want to preach the gospel in our community. Everywhere. The other night, um, uh, I was uh, uh, driving my son home from uh, from baseball practice. And he he looked at me with tender eyes. And he, uh, he says, Dad do you really want to minister to me in a powerful way? I said, son, what do you want? He says, could you get me some bagel bites? I'm like, yes, yes. He says, 
uh, Dad, I uh, saw them in the Dollar General, and it's right here. Okay, I'm like, fine, all right, all right. And so we go into the store, and literally 30 seconds into the store, I'm selling 30 seconds. I walk by, I see a young man that I haven't seen in years and who had suffered loss and, and gone through some things. His mother has passed away. 30 seconds into the store, I'm preaching the gospel. 30 seconds, I'm preaching the gospel. And my son is right there. And I don't know, I know what he's thinking pepperoni. Okay? I know. I know what he's thinking. But I preach the gospel everywhere. And so what's he see? The gospel being preached everywhere. And then some demonized guy hears me preaching the gospel. And before you know it, that guy is going berserk. That guy interrupted the store. He's angry at everybody. I'm telling you, he was yelling at me and he was yelling at others. And, and uh, the guy who was working at the store, I was ministering to him. He was like, what was that? My son was like, that guy is demon possessed, dad. That guy is crazy. I'm like, son, this is what happens. Anybody else? Anybody else have fun stories? Man, I got fun stories. I'm telling you. When you preach the gospel everywhere, when you care about the community, stuff like that's going to happen. I don't let that guy uh, rob me of the moment of ministering to the one that God has sent me to minister to. I'm not going to let that nonsense, that demon, all that stuff, I'm not going to let that stop me. He'll end up in jail. Anyways, unless God does something. <laughs> we got to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We go from us to our family, to the community, and then to the world. I want to ask you a question. Have you taken the limits off God? Have you taken the limits off God? I can remember one time as a youth pastor here several years ago, I literally had a dream that was straight out of the book of Acts. I saw a man in Macedonia calling to me saying, come over here, come over here, come over here. And I can remember, listen, I can remember I'm sitting in Vienna and in Vienna, we had a layover and all of our kids are just laying on the floor and they're sleeping and they're, they're tired because of the long flight and everything. And I'm sitting there and there's every religion under the sun, people from every tribe, nation, they're, they're, they're working their way through the airport. And I'm sitting there scratching my head going, God, how in the world did I get here? How did I get here? I'm in Vienna on my way to Macedonia, one of the least evangelized nations in the world, with a bunch of young people hoping to see God move, and we did. We go back to the birthplace of, of, uh, of oh, well, her name will come to me anyways. She ministered in India um, to all the lepers. Mother Teresa. We go to her birthplace, Mother Teresa. And... Um, and it was like all of a sudden this, this uncapping of a well of love to minister to people. It was amazing. But I thought to myself, how am I here? Citrus County. What in the world? Here's why. I took the limits off. Took the limits off. And said, God, I'll go if you'll send me. And some of you need to take the limits off. You need to preach the gospel. Will you take the limits off? Will you start just stop just seeing yourself as being a limited person, that you're limited by your circumstance? You say, I don't have the money. God can bring you the money. You don't have the contact. God can make a contact. I had zero contacts in Macedonia, and God gives me a dream, and all of a sudden, a missionary walks into this place, stands on this stage, and said, God's called me to Macedonia. I am like, oh, <laughs> all right. God, I hear you. 
It's you, your family, community, and world. Let me give you the next one. It's preach the gospel to everyone. Preach the gospel to everyone. Everyone. I know uh, it says, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Don't you just love the Bible? You get to call people creatures. <laughs> I, I wouldn't suggest that you do that openly. But some people fit that category, okay? It's like they're a creature, all right? But here's what, here's what I want you to see. Here's how I want you to think about this. Some of you are not looking forward to Thanksgiving because you're going to see that family member who has been getting on your nerves. You don't even like to talk to them. They, they don't connect with you on that spiritual level. They don't, really, they don't really match up with your desires for Christ. They actually kind of, they're kind of pointing at you and doing things probably sometimes on purpose just to get on your nerves, and you're just like, man, I don't even want to go. But see, here's the thing. You need to preach the gospel to everyone because when the gospel is received, it works. It works. The gospel works. No one is beyond the reach of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. No one is beyond the reach. Come on, read your Bible. Peter was a knife-toting cuss mouth. Did you know that? Come on, they come to get Jesus. He whips out a blade. It was a terrible shot. He only got an ear. I think he was going for the head. He cusses out little girls around the fire. Come on. James and John, they were prideful and their mother was so overbearing. Let my son sit on your left hand and your right hand. And there they are going, yeah, I will sit there. Prideful. But the gospel worked for them. Simon, the follower of Jesus, he is a political zealot and an anarchist. Listen to me, church. Uh, God wants Antifa saved. And the gospel will work for Antifa. Oh, have you let a love well up in your heart for Antifa? Evidently, Jesus did, and he has a name. His name is Simon, and he followed Jesus and changed the world. Come on, he goes farther. Jesus loves to reach the left. Here's how I know. Matthew was a tax collector. (laughs) He loves. But here's the thing about Matthew. Here's what you need to know. Matthew was a Levite. He had actually totally forsaken his calling in Israel. Levites was the one tribe that was to set the spiritual tone of the whole nation. The ones who were really given to God. And Matthew said, no thanks, I'll give myself to Rome. I'll give myself to D.C. And Jesus said, the gospel will work for Matthew. Oh, come on, Mary Magdalene, she had seven demons. And she supported Christ out of her own means. The woman at the well, a bunch of divorces, and now she's shacked up with somebody. All she does is go and lead a revival in Samaria. Hello, I'm sorry that even now, now listen, that was 2,000 years ago. Now we have to look people in the eye and say, no, 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 listen. 
It's, it's sin to live with somebody and have sexual intercourse with somebody before marriage. We have to explain that. She knew that. We have to explain it in our culture. Now, here, keep looking. Uh, Simon in Acts chapter 8 was a sorcerer, a warlock involved in witchcraft. And he got born again. He was messed up even after he was born again. That guy saw, saw Peter and, Peter and uh, uh, John. They come and, and they, they lay hands on people and the Holy Spirit comes on them and he gets the bright idea. He says, give me this gift. I'll pay for it. And it's like, no, you are bound in iniquity. You are bound up in all kinds of stuff. And he says this, pray that none of those things which you have said come upon me. He repents immediately. The gospel works even in witches and warlocks. There was a time I was ministering in upstate New York with Pastor Rob Russo in a place called Oneonta. It was ungodly cold. (laughs) Ungodly. The godly do not leave their house unless God tells them when it's 14 degrees. It was ridiculous. We were praying and God said, I want you to go walk downtown. And we thought to ourselves, no one is downtown. No one. And here we are, we go out, we take this group, and we're out walking, and literally there's hardly anybody out except these three people. And so we said, well, there's only three people out who are, uh, who are out, so we'll go and engage them. And so we went, and we went over and began to talk, and I was talking to one of the young ladies, and some of her guys was talking to the guy, and the guy started getting really belligerent, and this other girl, uh, we were ministering to her as well, and it turns out uh, it was two witches and a warlock. Two witches and a warlock, and I begin to minister by the prophetic to this witch, and the Spirit of God begins to fall on her 14 degrees. It's cold. God begins to move. She begins to weep. The warlock sees that God is moving on this witch, and he leaves that conversation and gets in my face and wags his finger, and he says this, Why are you here? And I, I mean, something rose up on the inside of me. And I said, I was born for this. And he, he had no answer. He was, it was like, I don't know what happened. He, he kind of got his bell rung. And then we continued to minister to her, prayed for her and their friend. And he stomps off because he wanted nothing to do with it. And yet God's gospel works for the witch. And I wonder, have we stopped thinking that the gospel will work for the drug addict, for the prostitute, for the, I mean, for the left-leaning person, whoever that is? By the way, the gospel needs to work for some Republicans too. Hello. The gospel will work. You preach the gospel to all. All. It's all people. I mean, after all, you need to understand this from 2 Peter Chapter 3, verse 9, it says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his, uh, concerning his promises. Some count slackness, but 
is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all, do you see this word, all should come to repentance. Listen, don't buy into a theology that says God only came back for just a few. I want you to see the willingness of God to save all. He is not willing that any should perish. Get it in your heart, because if you get that in your heart, you'll go to all people, regardless of what they're bound with, Regardless of whether it's demonic, whether it's just belligerent, whatever is controlling them, it won't stop you. You will say, this gospel is to be preached to all people, and it will work. It will work. The last thing today is this. We're to preach the gospel with power. It is to be accompanied with power. This is what Jesus said. And these signs will follow them who believe. Please, for, for, for uh, you know, most of my uh, Pentecostal and charismatic friends, that is our history. That is who we are. We are not pursuing signs. Signs should be pursuing us. Signs are following us around. The power of God is following us around. We need to preach the gospel with power. You've got to see this. Preaching of the gospel is to be accompanied with power. And I know many people in the church have thought to themselves, well, where's the power of God today? I would then follow that question with this one. How much are you preaching? How much are you preaching? Because the power is promised to those who believe. And believers preach the gospel. Preaching the good news. It could be that you're more fascinated with the power than the preacher of the power. His name is Jesus. Never become more fascinated with the power. You need to become enamored with Jesus. Give yourself fully to Jesus. Preach the gospel of Jesus and expect that that gospel will be accompanied with power. There is power to see that those who are in bondage set free. You say, what does it look like? Well, in Mark 16, this is what it looks like. There, there's four areas. There's four areas that accompany the gospel, these signs that accompany. First, it's supernatural authority. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke a message about what Jesus said about spiritual authority. If you didn't listen to that, you need to listen to it. He said, listen, when you're, when you're preaching the gospel, cast out a demon. Some of us tolerate the demonic. We try to comfort the demonic. When a person is being tormented by the demonic, they don't need only your arm around them. They need the authority that comes with being a born-again believer. And you say, listen, I love you. I'm going to talk also to the spirit that has been tormenting you. In the name of Jesus, I command this spirit to go. This is the gospel with power. Cast out demons. We don't allow them to stay. So there's supernatural authority. There's also supernatural speech. It says that they will speak with new tongues. Now, I'm not going to belabor this point, but I'm going to show you two different areas. I could tell you, I could spend the better part of an hour telling you missionary stories of people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, have no knowledge of a, of a local dialect, and they begin to 
what they think is simply pray in other tongues, but when they begin to speak, a language that is unlike their normal prayer language comes out. I heard uh, of a man who did this in the Middle East in front of two imams. And as he did this, their own local dialect from their village, this man spoke in it and told them each one from his own mouth that they are searching for God even though he is not far from them. When he looked up from this moment where he thought he was simply praying, all of the color had left their face and all of the aggression had left and those imams embraced this missionary and it opened the door to the gospel. I want to tell you, we have got to take the limits off of preaching the gospel. Don't think that there is anything that is too hard for God. Not only... Is there uh, natural tongues of this world that could be spoken? There is also a supernatural empowerment that comes from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the one that Paul talks about when he says, I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with understanding. That's a naturally known language. And he goes even further. He said, evidently, he was a bit of an artist. He says, and I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with understanding. He is saying, listen, there is a divine empowerment of speech. It's supernatural. It accompanies preaching the gospel. Next, there's a supernatural protection. By the way, weirdos in the Appalachian Mountains have really messed up this scripture. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. Dumb, dumb, dumb. If somebody brings a snake in here, ooh, get them out. And their snakes too. <laughs> you ever walk up into that church, leave immediately. Uh, that is not what that means. The, this word take up, it literally means, uh, it, in the Greek, it has the picture of you cleaning an area. So you, you just simply, it, it's, it's like swiping it away, taking it away, getting it out of the way. This actually happened to the apostle uh, Paul when he was shipwrecked. The ship is lost. They go. They're trying to build a fire. He, he lights the fire. A snake comes out, bites him on the arm, and he simply shakes it off. Everybody thinks he is going to swell up and die. He's been judged, and he, was, he didn't die, preaches the gospel, and revival breaks out. Can I just tell you, church, here, Jesus says there's supernatural protection when it comes to preaching the gospel. Stop being afraid to preach the gospel. Stop being afraid. When you determine to share the good news of Jesus Christ, you don't need to be afraid. He says, you're going to cast off serpents. He says, I'm going to give you supernatural protection in your health. He's saying, listen, if you drink something and it's not good for you, I'm going to take care of you. Listen, God says there's protection when you're preaching the gospel. It's supernatural. It's a gospel with power. And then lastly, there's supernatural healing. And he says, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is to be accompanied with the preaching of the gospel. Matter of fact, Jesus actually says, heal the sick and preach the gospel in that order. You don't have to wait on somebody to give their life to Christ to get healed. They actually can get healed through your prayers in Jesus' name. And they say, 
How am I now whole? And then the door is open for the gospel. Listen, you are to be used by God in this way. You say, what if it doesn't happen? Well, what if it does? What if it does? Our calling is to preach the gospel the way that Jesus said to lay hands on the sick and what they will recover. Many people have asked, where, is all, where are all the healings? Where's all the preaching that is to be accompanied with the healing? That is the marriage that God wants to give us. And if we're going to see America answer her call and experience these waves of awakening, it will be because you stood to your foot feet and you took the limits off of your life and you said, I will preach the gospel where God tells me and where God gives me to preach the gospel. I will share it with everyone and I will share it with power. This is the hour the church is to stand to her feet. This is the hour that the church is to shine bright like a light. This is the church that is a city on a hill that cannot be hidden because she preaches the gospel with power. And when we preach, God will move in power. And let me say it to you this way. If you're here today and you're not right with God, if you receive the gospel, if you receive the good news and a relationship with Christ, that power will work in you. It will work in you. I want you to bow your heads today.